Welcome to A Beggar Who Found Bread. I'm Brad Alexander, your host and beggar who found bread. And I have found the real, the authentic bread. Not some wonder bread wadded up and it's this gelatinous ball of paste looking stuff. No, no, no. The real, the authentic, the bread of life. Taste and see the Lord. He is good. So, come get some. This episode... The Pretender. Yes, this comes by request, and you all know how I feel about requests. Free bird! Nonetheless, a request came in for an episode tying in the Foo Fighters song, Pretender. Foo Fighters, of course, founded by former Nirvana drummer Dave Grohl. And the band name, if you didn't know, is a reference to strange aerial phenomena, i.e. UFOs, etc., reported by Allied pilots during World War II. These objects were called Foo Fighters. So, there you go. little trivia for you. I actually could have used I Am Empire's song, You're a Fake, on this episode as well. But the request came in, and so I will honor that request. Not going with You're a Fake. We're going with the, the Pretender. So right now, going out to a young man in Oregon, struggling with his health, his faith, and just trying to make sense out of this crazy world we live in, here's the Foo Fighters, Pretender. On America's Top 40. I'm Casey Kasem. Okay, wrong so. And probably <laughs> the worst Casey Kasem impression ever. But you know the deal. It ain't about the music. It's about the message. Pretender. Now this could take us in a lot of different directions, this topic, as there are many pretenders out there regarding the Christian faith. We could certainly look at some cults, and the thing about cults is they're always going to emphasize another personality, someone else's words or teachings, and exalt them to equal to or greater than the scripture, the word of Adonai. That's the thing with cults. I mean, there was Jim Jones, of course, who, which led to the Jonestown tragedy, um, David Koresh, of the um, Branch Davidians and another tragedy in Texas. Um, the Mormons, they elevate Joseph Smith as equal to or greater than Yeshua, Jesus, and so on. So we could go there. We could go uh, certainly with the money-hungry prosperity preachers. They're easy targets. And, you know, I've, I've discussed some of them and their teachings in the past. I, I really would like to take a look at a more general, broad view of pretenders. Messiah Yeshua, Christ Jesus, said in what's called the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew 5 through 7, in chapter 7, verse 15, he says, Watch out for false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. And he goes on to tell us, we will know them by their fruit. He talks about knowing the good tree by the good fruit and knowing the evil tree by the bad fruit. So these wolves in sheep's clothing, these, these false prophets, are clearly pretenders. And he wants us to be aware of them. So Yeshua says we will know them by their fruit. So what is the fruit we are looking for? Now, 
Some would say, well, if someone has a large, successful ministry, well, that's good fruit. And that's clearly not a biblical description of good fruit. I mean, when the crowds got real big around Yeshua, Jesus, he took efforts to test people, to find out who was truly devoted, who was authentic. And there was typically, well, I think always, a thinning of the herd when when he said these things. He didn't he didn't want to be popular because he was the 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 flavor of the day the latest thing on the scene. He wanted devoted followers, not folks who were just going to come and go. He said things like if you want to follow me, you'll have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Pew! Crowd gone. When his fan base grew, he called people out. He said You're not following me looking for a sign. You're following me because I fed you yesterday. And that's all you care about. Being fat and happy. Clearly, that's my paraphrase, okay? But a side note on that, we can can brag about how many people we've fed or how many people we've given comfort to, but we need to be sharing the gospel. How many are we sharing the gospel with? The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and be baptized. Because if not, all we're doing is fattening people up for hell. Yeah, I know. That's a bit heavy-handed maybe. But that's reality. We've got to, when when we're doing these things, these acts of charity and kindness, we have got to bring with us the gospel. The kingdom of God is at hand. Messiah again to the to the rich people, specifically uh, you know one rich young ruler. He said, "Sell all you have, give it to the poor, and follow me." To the half-hearted, he said, "You can't put your hand to the plow and look back at your old life. Looking back at what you gave up, you're not fit for the kingdom of God if that's how you're going to live." To those seeking excuses and justification. He said, let the dead bury their dead. You go proclaim the kingdom of God. To those who thought he came to bring everyone into this big coexistent group hug, he said, I haven't come to bring peace, but a sword, division. Fathers are going to be divided against sons. Mothers are going to be divided against daughters. Households will be divided because of me, he said. When one makes a decision to follow Messiah, it will fragment relationships. He doesn't want us going back to try to explain, to justify or compromise why we're following, why we're following him or how we're doing it. He doesn't want us to do that at all, period. And when he makes these statements, he doesn't clarify. He doesn't go back, you know, go and walk them back like so many people do, you know, in the in the news and in the media. Well, so-and-so walked back his statements about this. No, Messiah never did that. He said it. He meant it. And that's that's how he lived, and that's how he wants us to live. If our relationship with God through Christ Jesus causes people to distance themselves from us, so be it. We're all in. Or we're all out. And he told us to follow him to the death. Die to ourselves. Take up our cross and follow him. Not words to build 
personal popularity, definitely. Words to ensure devoted followers. That's what he wants. So the size and success of a ministry is definitely not necessarily the fruit that we're looking for. Messiah Yeshua was not talking about that when he was talking about what fruit to look for. Another answer could be as far as as far as good fruit you're looking for is well the number of n- new believers how many people are coming to Christ as a result of your ministry and this is a tricky one because churches love to keep track of how many hands were raised or how many came forward during altar calls and listen I can be a very persuasive person. I can be very coercive even to get someone to raise their hand or to get them to come forward, to pad my stats, if you will. That's not what we are called to do. Yes, of course, evangelism is, is, is a part getting out there. We are to preach the kingdom of God, the gospel of Messiah Yeshua. But we aren't told to get people to raise their hands. We're told to make disciples we hear we hear these big numbers and, and again churches love to to boast about how many came to faith right billy graham led in his lifetime it's somewhere around 7 million people to the lord it's said reinhard bonke led 70 million to the lord those are huge impressive numbers right and, and, and I'm by no means calling these guys pretenders. That's not what I'm doing here. I, I believe them both to be genuine followers of Messiah, preachers of the gospel. But when all we do is look at those numbers, look, when the dust settles, were there disciples of Yeshua made out of those millions? Because I don't, I don't think that the 70 million number or the 7 million number, whatever we want to look at, I don't think that that means the kingdom of God was grown by that many. I don't. Because there are folks who will raise their hand out of compulsion. They'll raise their hand in in an emotional situation. But it doesn't mean they were committed followers of Messiah Yeshua. We're called to make disciples. And evangelists will often blow in, blow up, and then blow out. Count hands and then move on to the next city of the crusade. The the messy work of making disciples falls on the local bodies of believers. And so just using that as, well, there, there it is, there's fruit. They've had X amount of people you know, give their lives to the Lord. And so that's, that means they have good fruit there. That can be a dangerous and tricky number again. And, and focusing on numbers is, is, is really deceptive. The other danger of looking for how many came to Christ as a result of this ministry as, you know, as fruit is we have no control over if and when that fruit comes forward. As Paul said, we, we plant and water seed. He said, I plant and Apollos watered, right? It, we plant and water seeds. It is God who causes the plants to grow. It is he who adds the increase. So th- there are seeds that I'm going to plant today that I may never see the fruit of. 
someone else years down the road, miles away, may see the fruit that comes forward by the seeds that I have planted or that I have watered. And by the same token, there are people whom I have led to the Lord, and they are the fruit of other people's labor. Seeds planted and watered throughout this individual's life. And I was there at harvest time. Praise God for it. We all love to see that and that fruit come forward. But just looking at at numbers like that can be tricky and it can be deceptive. Looking at numbers, you know, even numbers of people who come to Christ as a result of, of the ministry it's difficult to judge as true fruit. So what fruit should we look for? What is the good fruit? And yes, of course, preaching the gospel is, is a picture of some of the fruit. But what fruit should we look for? What, what are we to consider? So we can validate who is authentic in following Messiah and leading others to do so. And who are the pretenders, false prophets, the wolves in sheep's clothing? I believe the fruit to be twofold. First, I believe in what we should see in all believers, and particularly those who are in leadership, we will see the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit, which is found in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. This will be in their lives. We will see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We will see those things in these people's lives. It will be evident. These characteristics will be there. The further visible fruit we will see is their obedience to God's Word, their pursuit of and adherence to the commands of Adonai Elohim, the Lord our God. As First John tells us, We are to walk as Messiah walked. How did he walk? In obedience to God's word. That is the fruit that we should see. Obedience to God's word and pursuing obedience of God's word. Following Jesus' example, obeying the whole of scripture. That's the good fruit on the good tree. So, in the case of the pretenders, the wolves... What we will see are the deeds or fruit of the flesh, which is in Galatians 5, just before the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 19 and through 21. And there's a long list in there. I won't go through the entire list, but some of the things we will see and hear from these pretenders, these wolves, are sexual immorality, rage, envy, idolatry, selfish ambition, drunkenness, and the list goes on. And even in his long list there, Paul adds at the end of it, and things like these. So there's more. So we'll see, we will see some of those deeds, that fruit of the flesh in the lives of these individuals. And we will also see disobedience to the commands of God, the justification of disobedience, and teaching others that obedience is unnecessary. Those are the wolves, and as Scripture says, they will deceive many. Now, I could sit here and and name names of who I think and who I believe are to be wolves, okay? But 
we all we all have to have eyes to see and ears to hear. We have to study to show ourselves approved of God. And we will know. We will know. And we have to be honest with ourselves about it. Because even if it's a beloved personality, but they're not teaching the scripture, the whole of scripture, we need to step away. If a preacher just grabs select verses with no context and builds a doctrine, we need to step back. We need to look at the context of those scriptures and see what the, if, if what they're saying is consistent with the whole of scripture. We have to verify that. Because it's like taking one sentence out of a book, right? And saying, well, here's what, here's what that book's about. You can't do that. You cannot do that with any single piece of literature ever written. Well, here's what it is. Here's what it says. No. Otherwise, we can take a passage from Scripture and say, there are none righteous. No, not one. Okay, it's in the Bible. That's it. So, we're all going to hell. Might as well just live how we want to live. Nothing matters because there's none of us that are righteous. No. There's more to it than that. Is there truth there? Yes. That is truth. But there is further that connects the whole of Scripture. Or we can, we can take the passage that says, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved and say, well, look at that. Anyone who just says the name of Jesus, just call on him and you'll be saved. No, there's more to it than that. Having a piece of the truth is not the whole truth. The adversary, Satan, he uses partial truths. That's exactly what he did when tempting Yeshua. He used scripture out of context, which is what these deceivers, these pretenders, the wolves in sheep clothing, exactly what they do. Now, I'm going to say there is, there's one wolf, and, and when I started this, I was actually going to, I was going to drop his name in here, and I am right now resisting saying his name. But he, he I, I believe, 100% is a wolf in sheep's clothing through and through. And and the fruit is there to prove it. It is plain to see. Selfish ambition, envy, greed, it's there. But here's the thing. I know of a dear couple who many years ago gave their lives to Messiah. They, they, these are on fire followers of Messiah who repented and turned to God through Messiah Jesus as a result of this dude's broadcast. God used a wolf to bring people into his kingdom. The Apostle Paul said, even when the gospel is preached for selfish reasons, the gospel is still preached. Now, I, I believe this couple certainly had many seeds planted in their lives up to the point where they surrendered and repented and, and turned their lives to, over to the Lord. You know, they had lots of seeds over the years planted in their lives, and God could have and would have added the increase through someone else's teaching. But the bit of truth from God's word that this guy shared, brought in a harvest to the kingdom of God. God's word does not return to him void. But again, the wolves deceive many. The damage they do outweighs 
greatly the good that comes from them. The people at the end of Matthew chapter 7 that Yeshua describes, he says, On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy, cast out demons, do all these other great things in your name? Didn't we do all these things? And the king says to them, Depart from me. I never knew you. Many will will come to him on that day. And this is the case for many. I never knew you. These many referred to here are those who have been deceived by the ravenous wolves in sheep's clothing. That passage from Matthew 7.15 that we read at the start of this program leads right into this. It brings it into context. We must be fruit inspectors when it comes to the people that we are listening to and allowing to teach us. Do they display the fruit of the Spirit? Do they live pursuing obedience to God's law and commands, following Messiah Yeshua, Christ Jesus, and do they teach others to do so? Or do they justify their own sin and disobedience and teach others that obedience is inconsequential? Seek God, pray, and study his word to show yourself approved of God. You'll know the pretenders from the authentic. And look, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. We read that. It's in in Galatians 5. Self-control. And we have, and and I'm not necessarily necessarily saying that these guys are quote-unquote pretenders, but we've got preachers ambling their way up to the pulpit. They're dressed out at a couple biscuits over 400 pounds, and they want to scream about sexual immorality. Hey, bro, gluttony's a sin too. And it's on full-figure display while you're up there. Get the plank out of your eye and the triple cheeseburger off your plate before pointing out the speck in someone else's eye. Well, Brad, and maybe maybe that's uh, I'm being harsh there. But l- listen, and, and some might say, well, 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 Brad, we're all human. We all struggle with something. I agree. Okay. I agree that we have struggles. We, each one of us have different struggles. But if we just give in to the flesh, no self-control, this is just the way I am. It's the way it's going to be. We're not struggling. We're not struggling at all. We're surrendering to our will, not to God's will. Whatever area we struggle in, we identify it. And it's time to go on the offensive Surrendering ourselves wholly, completely to God. If we earnestly desire to obey God, we desire that obedience to Adonai in that area of our lives, in every area of our lives, He will help us. He empowers us to overcome. And listen, there are daily and even moment by moment struggles where we have to just be on our guard. We face one step at a time. And that's how progress is made in most things. One step at a time. Is the temptation of, of my sin, is the temptation of my sin greater than the strength of the Holy Spirit? No. 
may it never be, is, is our desire to obey and honor God in our lives, is our desire to do that greater than our desire to satisfy the flesh? That's the real question. If the desire to follow Messiah and honor God is greatest, he enables us to resist. Yes, we still have to live it out. And it takes work because we have developed bad habits over years and decades of our lives. So it does take work, but he will help us. We need to stop saying, I can't. And, you know, in some cases we need to learn to say, I'm full. Or just stop focusing on our weaknesses and focus on God's strength. But man, we're all only human and nobody's perfect. Here's the thing, okay? And I, I, I get people saying that. But if, if we are in truth, spirit-filled followers of Messiah, born again, children of God, we are not only human. We are humans endowed with power from on high. We need to stop saying, when I sin. And and listen, preachers, and I've been guilty of this too, and this is just uh, very recently came, really was brought to my attention. and, And I have repented, and I repent To you, I have repented to God and I repent before you right now. But we need to, particularly preachers, we need to stop saying when you sin to believers. Listen, in both 1 Peter and 1 John, the scriptures say if we sin or if a brother sins, not when. So when we have told believers, well, when you sin, when you sin again, dot, 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 we're we're saying it's inevitable. You're going to sin again. And we're giving the people license to sin. We're authorizing it. We are discounting obedience, declaring it impossible, and justifying people's disobedience. It waters down the gravity of sin. And once more, if sin is not really that big of a deal anymore, if obedience to the law is insignificant, then please explain to me the crucified Messiah. Explain to me the sacrificed, spotless Lamb of God. One of the most glossed over, yet profound things Messiah said is in Matthew 5, 48. After explaining what it means to truly love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and what it means to love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus says, Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Wow. Seriously. Would he tell us to do something that is not possible? Certainly in our own strength, not possible. But in Christ, in Messiah, yes. We have to stop making, I'm going to sin the expectation, and then act surprised when we obey. Wow, I did really good today. No, 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 no. We have to flip the script, man. Let's make obedience the desire and expectation and be genuinely disappointed 
if we sin. What breaks God's heart should break our hearts. And sin breaks God's heart. Sin is transgressing the law. We need to stop lowering the bar for ourselves and others. Yes, if we sin, hallelujah, we have an advocate with the Father, Yeshua, Jesus, the righteous. But we don't have to sin. This Eeyore attitude of, oh, well, I'm just going to keep on sinning. You know, it may seem like humility, but it's a straight up offense to God who, one, gave his son, sacrificed him because of our sin, and two, fills us with his spirit. And and we want to say, when I sin again, giving ourselves license to do so. Stop. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Walk as Messiah Yeshua walked in obedience. God has done the redeeming work and he has given us his spirit, empowering us to live the life he's called us to. Let's stop making excuses and live the life to which we have been called. Yes, if we sin, hallelujah, we have the advocate. And if a brother sins, we are to restore such a one to God. There's lots of pretenders out there. They're in the pulpits and and in the pews. Those who truly belong to God through Messiah Yeshua, who are sealed with his Holy Spirit, which is God's seal of approval. It is the seal of the great king's signet ring filling us with his spirit. If his seal is upon us, we should live different. We should live set apart. I want to thank you for, for giving time. And we covered a lot of ground. And there's a lot more to discuss in, in what's been opened up here. But I appreciate you giving me your time here. I encourage you, please study to show yourselves approved of God. Dig into God's word. Don't take my word for it. I'm just a beggar. I'm a beggar who found bread. And I I want other beggars to know where I found it. The bread of life, Messiah Yeshua. And when we partake of the bread of life, nothing else satisfies. Let's die to ourselves. Let's take up our cross and follow him to the death. Thank you once more. I appreciate those of you who subscribe, those of you who rate and review and all that, all that other stuff. But the reality is I am, I'm just a beggar and I want others to know where I found the bread of life, Messiah, Yeshua, Christ Jesus. There is salvation in no other name. Let's go out and give them heaven.